Waveform Magazine is a free print publication that focuses on synthesizers and those who inhabit that world. Issue number one is due out in April 2019 and features interviews with Suzanne Ciani, Dave Smith, Folk Tech, with articles written by DivKid, Abe from AI Synthesis, and more. There are also plenty of gear reviews, music reviews, and a shop talk section where we get to know about those who run our beloved synth shops. Sign up for your free subscription at www.waveformagazine.com and follow them on Instagram. All right, PodMod Bots, before we get into this episode, I also want to uh, thank our sponsor, Patchworks. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S. They are a local scent shop here in Seattle, um, and they're kind of the epicenter of our community. And they have uh, events and uh, workshops. They have a soldering night. Uh, you know, it's a regular thing. You can go in and, and work on some some projects with uh, with some guidance from a uh, a skilled solderer. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's one of my favorite places on earth, and it's run by some of my favorite people on earth. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not in Seattle, so this doesn't apply to me, that's not true. They have a new website, Patchworks.com. Again, that's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R. KS.com. So yeah, head head onto that site and look at their store and see if they have anything that you that you fancy. They've got new and used gear, not just modular. They've got uh, you know all sorts of the uh, um, the electron stuff and Moog stuff and Korg stuff, and um, they've got books and they've got a pretty decent little selection of uh, local music too. So I think you can buy some some tapes and uh, vinyl off of the website as well. So if you live in a town that doesn't have a synth shop nearby um, and you want to help, um, you know, support a really awesome grassroots community building operation, please uh, bring some business to Patchworks.com. Pod, mod, bods. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. Sorry about last week. Um, I don't like missing episodes, but uh, I got just about as sick as I've ever been as an adult human being, and it was pretty terrible. Uh, thank you for all the well wishes on the old Instagram. Uh, I feel much better now. Really excited. I am going to New Orleans pretty soon. New Orleans? New Orleans? Nolens? How do you say that if you're not from there? I feel like uh, my friend Justin is uh, is going. Justin and my wife Hannah and I are all going down there, and um, I've been noticing that he's like when when we're talking about it, he says New Orleans, and I'm like, you dork, it's not New Orleans. But then what do I say? New Orleans, New Orleans. Um, I'm certainly not gonna go, you know, Nolans. Um, Nola, I think, is something. But you know, is that like? I don't know. Do people in Portland really call Portland PDX? Or is that how you know someone's not from Portland? I don't know. Either way, there's going to be a live podcast down there. I am so excited. Um, and I'll have the uh, the full lineup of who's going to be there. But we've got some local people from Nolens are going to be <laughs> on the bill. And what, what we're going to do is I'm going to um, have somebody come up, the first guest. We're going to talk for about 15 minutes. We'll take a patch suggestion from the audience 
and then give them 15 minutes in their headphones as I interview the next guest and so on down the line. So it'll be a good mixture of music and uh, interview. And uh, yeah, so I hope you guys can come out. It will be at the record store called Disco Obscura, which is also a record label. I've been listening to their stuff lately and uh, really enjoying it. There's this uh, a band called Creeper. They have an, uh, an album that I've been enjoying and then uh, Pink Fink. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, really, really fun electronic music. So check that out. But anyways, the show is going to be at Disco Obscura February 9th. And I believe it's starting at 6 p.m. And uh, February 9th is my birthday. I'm going to be turning 35. And so to be in a new city, to meet new people, and to be doing a live podcast um, at a record store is just about as cool as a birthday I could think of. Um, I love going to local record stores and I love indie labels. The fact that this label is also a record store is just, I don't know, on paper it couldn't get much better. So um, yeah, if, if you're in the Louisiana area, I would love to see, uh, see you there. Saturday, February 9th, um, 6 p.m., Disco Obscura. So a few weeks back on the last episode, I mentioned if you have a, a modular group or you're trying to start a little modular community in your area to get a hold of me and I'll uh, say something on the show and try to direct people your way. And I'm going to keep going with that. So we've got um, the Colorado Modular Synth Society. Um, it's out of Denver, Colorado. And if you want to get a hold of um, Sign Mountain on Instagram, S-I-N-E Mountain, um, that is the account for the admin of the Colorado Modular Synth Society. So check that out. We got the North Coast Modular Collective. They hold public meets uh, every two or three months in the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. So if you uh, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to northcoastmodularcollective.com. We had a listener uh, write in on Instagram, Chuck underscore W underscore NY says, hi, I love the podcast. Thanks for doing this. You mentioned you could uh, put people in touch with other people. And uh, can you do that for me? Yeah. So if you're in New York and you're looking for somebody to modulate with or you have a community and you're looking for more people to join, uh, get on Instagram and find Chuck underscore W underscore NY. Speaking of community building, um, Matt, Matthew Powell, a uh, very, very amazing Patreon subscriber. I've played his music on the show, Uska, U-S-K-A. Um, go check him out on Bandcamp. He made a playlist on Spotify that is made up of all the different guests that have been on the show. How freaking cool is that? And he writes, yo, I finished the playlist for 2018. A lot of people are not on Spotify, but I found who I could. If anyone has any edits they want uh, him to make, let him know. Uh, the whole idea for this is that we all share this playlist and play it on loop occasionally. Eventually, if enough people listen to it, it will start trending and get more vis- visibility. So the link to that Spotify playlist will be in the uh, the info for the show. So as you're listening to it on your app, look down at your phone or wherever you're listening to it in the show description. I will copy and paste that link. And thank you, Matthew. What a cool idea. Um, so uh, yeah, let's let's start listening to everybody's music. All right, we're going to get into our chat with John L. Rice here pretty soon, but I just want to thank all the Patreon subscribers. You guys are helping to keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. And if you would like to help out, please visit patreon.com forward slash 
Podular Modcast. Um, so yeah, got John L. Rice on the show today. Really, really interesting guy. He's kind of a synth legend here in the, the Pacific Northwest and greater synth community of the world. Um, he has a wall of 5U synthesizers. It's, uh, it's amazing. I uh, was sitting right in front of it the whole time. It was kind of distracting, but we had a really good chat, and uh, we talk about being uh, picked on as kids at one point, and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. All right, we're going to get into this, but I want to talk a little bit about the Disting Mark IV from Expert Sleepers. Um, what a joy it's been having them sponsor the last few episodes, because I've had the Disting for a little bit, and I mainly got it for a delay um, and reverb, but having them, you know, sponsor the episodes, I, I got to really dive into this thing and get to know it. And as I've done that, I have just found, s- I, I knew it did a bunch of stuff, but how much it does and how well it does it, I, I've just been completely floored by. So, um, yeah, in the next few episodes, I'm just going to bring you a couple, uh, different demos of the different functions. And, uh, today, first up, we're going to look at the VCO with wave shaping. All right, let's take a look at the Expert Sleepers Disting Mark IV, uh, specifically the VCO with wave shaping. This VCO is uh, really useful in that it has two different outputs. Um, you have your output A and your output B, and then there are three different parameters that you can uh, use to get different types of waveform combinations between those two outputs. So parameter value zero, your output A will be triangle to saw, and your waveform B will be uh, square pulse, and then your parameter value 1 will be triangle saw on output A, and then sub octave square on output B, and then parameter value 2, you would have waveform A being a square pulse, and waveform B being a sub octave square. So you can see you can get some cool combinations, and then all of those uh, wave shapes that can come out are CB controllable. So, um... I made a little patch using uh, parameter value 1. So my output A is a triangle saw, and then my uh, output B is a sub-octave square. Each one of these outputs is going to uh, its own VCA, being controlled by its own um, envelope or math channel. And then I've got the angle grinder LFO going into the wave shaping input of the disting. So... Here it is, a little patch that I made with the, uh, the VCO with wave shaping from the Disting Mark IV. Absolutely luscious. Um, 
If you want to learn more about the uh, Expert Sleepers Disting Mark IV, head on over to expertsleepers.co.uk. All right. Well, thank you for having me over to your house. Thank you for coming. Um, I've actually never been in this part of Tacoma before. It seems like a really nice neighborhood. Um, yeah, it actually is pretty nice. It's actually gotten nicer over the years yeah. as the North End has been up and coming as sort of the alternate place for people who work in Seattle to right. live, you know. Yeah. It used to be a lot cheaper, and now the prices have gone up quite a bit. Yeah. So. My wife and I have been kind of somewhat considering Mm -hmm. Uh, down here a lot of people i know have moved down here and and say it's actually pretty cool um Mm -hmm. like the nightlife and stuff so i'd like to i I don't know i I don't get out much (laughs) (laughs) well with this studio i don't know if i would either um just for the listener i'll post Mm -hmm. some pictures but behind john is let's see what 12 racks of Uh five view plus a couple underneath and a couple underneath (laughs) that's a whole wall in a in a room and behind me is a what like a eight-piece Tama kit or something? Mm-hmm, yeah. Man. So I want to talk about you grew up in this house, and right. now and you've, you've inherited it, and now it's your, your home, and you've got to build this giant studio mm-hmm. and upstairs. Like, I don't know. We, we sold the house I grew up in um, when I was, like, 21, and uh-huh. I really... I really wish I could have inherited it and <laughs> turned it into my recording studio. Yeah. But... Um, I, how is that? What was that like? Like living here now as an adult and do it like using it in this capacity and having it be like what you grew up in. Um, it's it's extremely familiar. Yeah. Um, I, I've lived here a lot longer than most people would realize. Uh, um, after I was divorced many years ago, I after about a year I moved back in, in the idea that it was going to be temporary. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and then I every time it, uh, I'm such a a gear pig. Uh, every time it, <laughs> it came to um, the the point of wanting to move out, I've got enough money saved up, I can get an apartment. And I thought, well, I can't play drums in an apartment, and yeah. I can't do this and that in an apartment, so maybe I'll just buy some gear instead. <laughs> and so I bought gear. And then the next time I was like, okay, I said, well, it's hard, you know, I can't really afford a house in a good area and security, and it's like, maybe I'll buy more gear. So. That's okay. it went on and on for for many 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 years. So I've I've been here a long time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I used to have a day job. I was a software programmer engineer. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And when my parents uh, finally got to the point, and there in the last few years, I just quit and just stayed home and took care of them twenty four seven. Okay. And uh, so so now I'm here, and uh, um, I keep thinking, well, why am I in this little room when I've got, I could, you know, the whole living room downstairs uh-huh. would make a better studio. <laughs> um, but it's like, well, I keep putting off making an album. So yeah, if I, if I reorganize the downstairs and move everything down, I, I spent untold years putting all this stuff together. So I figured I better, um, use it as is yeah. and, uh, <laughs> get an album out or three, you know, yeah. and then maybe I can, move move things around so. i'm curious is, was this your bedroom growing up yeah that is, is so funny that's yeah, so cool <laughs> we moved moved in here when i was um in first grade okay i was like six or seven six years old i think and um yeah it's just changed so much you i know? bet it used to just have what a, a small bed and a small dresser and yeah and some toys <laughs> and uh, then it just kept changing and changing so you can kind of see remnants of uh dad and i put this paneling up uh-huh and uh i thought that was super cool and <laughs> <laughs> um and then you can see on this dresser behind you there um oh, yeah. when, when i when i wasn't um 
living here. Um, my sister moved back in uh-huh. um, when she was an adult, and then she put that colorful, <laughs> weird kind of, uh, and it's not paisley, it's some kind of flowery wallpaper on the drawers there, and it's kind of peeling off, and I keep thinking, well, I should you know, peel that off and repaint it. It's like, well, the gear's in the way. I'd rather use the gear than yeah. <laughs> maintain things. And, yeah. <laughs> and so it just keeps changing. I got the gong wall there. I don't, um, that actually opens up. Uh, oh, wow. Um, I could show you. Oh, yeah. It's real, the... I know the listeners won't be able to see it, but you could take <laughs> a picture where the room is so small, but I wanted a big gong array. So this whole thing opens up. Mostly and wow. drums in the way. I see twelve gongs, the big of which is probably what four feet in diameter. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a forty two inch. Wow, um, and that's a thirty six or no thirty. <laughs> We're forgetting that anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, listener, be sure to go on like my Instagram or something. Yeah. I'm gonna post some pictures of all this stuff because it's a pretty <laughs> yeah. cool little studio room. Yeah. No, so. Anyway. Speaking of the gongs and this being, uh, before we started recording, you mentioned, you know, you were practicing drums in the house as a kid. Mm-hmm. So is that where you started with music was, was playing drums? Yeah. Um, my very first kit, um, actually my grandfather got it for me. It was one of those little cheap department store, mm-hmm. not real drums, kind of toy drums. And that was when I was, um, I think I was six years old. I remember that year Christmas, um, uh, it was a, the awesome Christmas because I got a drum set and a Superman costume. <laughs> I always watch the old Superman TV show, and there's a picture of me somewhere. Uh, I've got it uh, of me in my Superman suit sitting at the drum set at Christmas time. And so someday, if I get an album out, I'll put that on there. That would be a cool <laughs> cover. <laughs> so glad I have that. But I couldn't play at all. And then um, I didn't really start playing drums until. Uh, uh, seventh grade okay um sixth grade i got a snare drum from uh, value marked oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't exist anymore um and i used to play um uh along with uh hogan's heroes they had yeah. a cool snare drum part <laughs> at the beginning <clears throat> and i dinked around and then i got a small drum set um <clears throat> drum set uh i think it was about eighth grade i got a drum set and then i was playing along with uh Hawaii Five-0 and okay. you know, uh, stuff like that. And uh, I, I joined the school band and I uh-huh. played snare drum in the school band and um, all through junior high, high school and uh, a year and a half of college I went to, I played in the percussion, you know, uh, sections of okay. different, you know, orchestras and bands and okay. stuff like that and stage band and pet bands and all that. Okay. So, so it wasn't just, it wasn't just rocking out on a giant Tama kit. You were also, you know, kind of tra- traditionally trained. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, and then I would, uh, um, probably my, my favorite memory of growing up was, uh, Saturdays where I would, um, I'd sleep in late and then I'd, uh, get up and I have a big breakfast and then I'd watch Kung Fu theater in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And then uh, I'd have dinner, and I'd watch, I think it was a Star Trek rerun, and then Space 1999. <laughs> and then I came up here, and I had a, a bigger set at the time. Oh, really? uh, I had a, a, a Ludwig, basically an Octoplus, but it was a single bass uh-huh. Octoplus. And I would play uh, two hours of Emerson Lake and Palmer. Okay. Um, I'd play hour and a half, and then I would uh, take a, a five-minute cool-down break, and then I'd play another half an hour. And then I would uh, take a shower, 
and then come downstairs and I'd watch the Carol Burnett show and have like a like a quart of milk and cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, as geeky as it is, I, I just love that. And yeah. it was like I did that for pretty much most of high school until uh, I got a girlfriend and then I spent more time with her yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing <laughs> other sorts of activities. <laughs> so were there any were there any bands or, or anything? Actually, you kind of said Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Yeah. I was going to ask like when that, when did synths get you? But was that kind of maybe the seed? Like, I kind of, it, it was almost parallel because um, about the same time, actually a little bit before I got that first snare drum, I think it was about fifth grade, I got a um, Radio Shack uh, Learn Electronics Experimenter kit. Okay. And they, you know, had, it was basically learn how to make a complete circuit, light up a light bulb, uh, buzz a buzzer. And, I, and then I got a second one, and then I made a little show for my parents and friends where I would turn the buzzers on at certain times and light up the lights, and it was probably a, a pre-electronic sort of uh -huh. little modular on the spot <laughs> show I was doing <laughs> but it was you know it was very short and very crappy but um and then shortly after that I started building circuits out of electronic magazines so okay. all through uh, junior high I was um uh building tiny little circuits and I would uh, I was being the uber geek I would I I'd grab a little um speaker little transistor radio speaker and on the back of it I build a a tiny little oscillator it would just go e and then I'd put that in my pocket, and it was very soft. And then in class, I'd turn it on. And people would hear this high-pitched sound, and they were looking around, what is that? <laughs> and then I'd turn it off. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, a very geeky rebel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then um, later, junior high, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but um, probably early high school, I got into uh, a Paya a kit uh, modulars. Uh -huh. And so I was building uh, the Paya 4700 series uh, modules and so I remember a lot of times I'd I'd ha had a paper route and then early in the mornings on the weekends I'd come home and then I'd you know solder okay. solder on my um, um, uh, pie kits and I had a little modular going. So. Okay, so so it started with playing drums and then kind of like a you know an, a, a, an adjacent type like hobby of building kind mm -hmm. of led into sound making things oh and I, yeah i forgot to mention that about that time i think it was uh, probably seventh grade um i got into ham radio okay and okay. uh I, I was building those uh heath kit uh build a heath kit receiver and then a heath kit transmitter and i joined the local uh ham radio club my you know my dad would go with me mm -hmm. and uh um the thing is uh, at the time i could only get the novice class license and you couldn't use voice you had to only use morse code and to this day, I don't understand it. I thought I would be good at Morse code because I was a drummer. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's very rhythmic. Uh -huh. I just couldn't get it. <laughs> it was beyond me. And uh, I barely passed the exam to get my license. And then I just, I think I tried to communicate with somebody once. And I just, I don't know, I wasn't into it. But what uh -huh. I really liked was the um, dialing around on the receiver and finding all the weird sounding stations. There's like radio teletype and then there's blocked stations where they have these noise. And so I was uh -huh. just tuning those in and just listening to those. So okay. that was early electronics as well. So Okay. Okay. And yeah. that's that's when I kind of transitioned into making audio circuits and, and that sort of thing. Okay. So you weren't like into like playing around with like a Voyager or like some Junos or anything. That wasn't like your and then you got into modular. You kinda got into modular by way of being interested in um, just messing around with electronic stuff and the radio mm -hmm. stuff that that makes sense mm -hmm. um, so 
so did you once you got into that did you then i mean i see you got a, a an electric piano behind you did you then start trying to get more into like learning how to play piano or i guess it was all it was a kind of a, a nexus uh big bang explosion uh-huh. for me because uh in fifth grade i started taking uh, piano lessons a local lady was teaching uh-huh. me piano lessons and so i had two years of piano lessons and i didn't really like it that much mm-hmm. um and it was mostly because of the songs. They, right, yeah. yeah so I remember this one called Lightly Row, and it was just the stupidest thing. Yeah, I yeah. Just, if I it had would, the same experience. If, if they would have given us something cool to play, mm-hmm. we would have been into it. Yeah. You know, let us learn to play Snoopy and the Red Baron or, yeah, or, right. or, or some popular, you know, song. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I was, yeah, at the same time, I was starting to play drums. I was uh, taking piano lessons, and I was building electronic circuits and doing the ham radio stuff. So, okay. And then it, um, uh, I didn't, I didn't take any keyboard instruction until I was in college. I had some class piano classes there, and uh, but uh, the, my first, what was my first keyboard? I think I had a, um, I had an old air organ. You know those um, kind that's like electric and a fan blows past the reeds. It's like a big keyboard uh-huh. controlled yeah, harmonica yeah. kind of thing. And it had, had chord buttons. Uh, yeah, I've had yeah. one of those. Yeah, yeah. those and are fun. Actually, pretty cool. I'd, wouldn't mind getting one again. <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen I got one at a Goodwill and I've seen another at a Goodwill. So they're uh-huh. they're around um, mm-hmm. usually twenty bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. The one I got was slightly broken, where the mm-hmm. fan would go and it would. You had to. Uh, there was one button that was constantly held down, kind mm-hmm. of like it, so you'd always oh. get that note. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't super fun. So mm-hmm. it sounds to me like uh, you're you're pretty technically minded. Mm-hmm. Was was that kind of I'm always interested to see like how people got into music. So for me, it was like pop hooks of like Roy Orbison and Dwight Yoakam when I was a little mm-hmm. kid. You mm-hmm. know, I was I was into the emotional aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not a technical musician. Mm-hmm. It sounds like with drums and looking at the type of drum set you have, were you kind of more attracted to like learning the technical aspects of playing? Um, yeah, I was. Um, it was. Uh the, the kind of music that attracted me was usually more the, the slightly fringe stuff. You know, just listening to the, the radio in the family car, I didn't hear, you know, too much fringe stuff. But uh-huh. things that really interested me were like um, Hocus Pocus by Focus yeah, and, yeah. and Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. Uh-huh. And I usually like more instrumental stuff. And also when, um, uh, you know, you'd have school assemblies and different groups would come through and play. My favorite was when they had like wind bands and they would play what I termed army music uh-huh. which were like you know kind of military things with lots of snare drum and the kind of stuff you'd see in 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 war movies and uh-huh. stuff and that really turned me on so um i i liked vocal music but i usually didn't really pay attention to the words that much mm-hmm. i sometimes my you know mom wanted to turn off a song she didn't like the, the lyrics i said no turn that back on that's really good she said why do you think that's a good song that the, what they're singing about you know whatever she's yeah. trying to you know mold me into uh-huh. a good good young man <laughs> i said i don't even know what they're saying i just like the the melody the way he's you know yeah. how, how it fits into mm-hmm. the song he could sing whatever mm-hmm. words it's just the melody so yeah i'm a i'm a big lyrics guy but there's also certain bands where i don't pay attention like i don't know if tom york is a good lyricist or not because mm-hmm. i don't really know the words to many of the songs but i just really like oh. radiohead oh you yeah know? yeah but i mean I okay know computers good, yeah it's just yeah, awesome yeah i mean that's I, my favorite one yeah that's a gr- i mean i even like uh the more recent stuff too mm-hmm. um so <clears throat> did you uh 
did you get into this? Did you just start like wanting to be in bands or like, was it just like for the love of the game or did you have kind of the aspiration, the rock star aspiration as a, yeah. as a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I think, yeah. In early junior high, I started forming bands with friends okay. you know, and doing, you know, cover tunes and uh -huh. that sort of thing. Um, and as I got into high school, I was usually, um, uh, you know, I, I practiced pretty hard, and so I was I was usually the the first chair in the percussion section, or you know, I went to, uh, um, the I played in the all state orchestra, and uh, and then I didn't make it into the all northwest, uh, thing because I wasn't good enough. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was a runner up, which made me feel good. So. Uh -huh, yeah. But um, but yeah, doing the the bands and stuff. Um, I was I was getting very good, and I was uh, had these aspirations that. I was gonna. This was back in in the mid '70s, and my like favorite bands were like Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and Yes, and Genesis, and uh -huh. that progressive rock stuff. And yeah. they were like a big thing at the time. They right. were filling arenas, and uh -huh. and so I thought, yeah, I'm I'm playing just like that. So, you know, in my 20s, I'm gonna like be this famous rock musician. <laughs> and I'm gonna be rich, but I'm gonna be smart and not blow all my money on on you know women and, and drugs or whatever. Uh -huh. Although. I know I would have spent a lot on women. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, and then I was going to invest it. And my plan was by the time I was 30, 35, I was going to then buy um, office buildings and be a smart businessman and um, be super rich and powerful and successful. Yeah. I'm living at my parents' house still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I turned 60 uh, last year. Oh, so, really? Wow. Yeah. Well, you so, look great. I didn't realize oh, you were Thank 60. you. <laughs> <laughs> you look nice too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're much younger than me. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, so so when did did that kind of did the the tapering off of that that kind of rock star dream did that coincide at all with getting into modular because I felt like that happened to me like mm -hmm. the more I was getting interested in in making interesting sounds rather than trying to like I wasn't I used to just be concerned with how many people were coming to the show mm -hmm. you know and now I'm more way more concerned with how cool can I make this thing sound right mm -hmm. now yeah. um it's kind of the cool death of the rock star mm -hmm. aspiration for me. I think it was a lot of things, but part of it was my stubbornness that I wanted to do the kind of music I wanted to do. And that mm -hmm. totally fell out of favor, you know, in the late seventies, it, it was, you yeah. know, there was uh, uh, disco and punk and new wave. And I was still trying to hold on to prog rock. And, and uh, um, so it was not popular anymore. There's no money in it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, uh, also, um, I, th I think it, I've, I, I'd go back and forth where I would, when I was in a band, I was mainly focused on drums and playing drums, and then the band would break up, and then I'd focus internally, and then I'd start building different, you know, things at home, you know, electronics, so I could compose my own stuff, mm -hmm. and in the um, late 80s, early 90s, I built up kind of a cool little studio with early um, rack mount um, stuff like a TX-81Z, and mks 50 and in you know a, a eight track Tascam reel to reel and, okay. and a amiga computer um it was all synced up and okay. stuff so i i did that and but i wasn't into modular but um 
because there really wasn't much around. Yeah, it kind of wasn't. Yeah, and without like without an internet yet, there was no way to find all these mm-hmm. gloriously cheap Moog modulars yeah, in yeah. trash cans and stuff. Man, if I could go back to that time oh. and just start collecting that stuff, I did get a at that time. I did get a mini Moog from a, oh. a, a friend of mine and uh, for one hundred twenty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was cool. Then uh, you know, I started thinking. I wonder if there's you know modulars out there, but I, I couldn't find them. But um, uh, where was I going with that? I was uh, oh, so I, I build up stuff anyway. Uh, when my sister, just before my well, uh, half a year before my sister's fiftieth birthday, she passed away from cancer and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. And that. thank you. And she's um, she was four years older than me. Uh-huh. And I'd always thought that someday I was at least I had built a pretty big Pia modular earlier on, and I'd taken it all apart because I was going to put it repanel it and improve it and stuff mm-hmm. i thought well someday when i'm retired i'll fix it up i said well maybe when i'm retired maybe when i'm 70 i'll i'll buy a Moog modular finally yeah anyway so when i approached my 50th birthday i started thinking about my sister and i thought none of us know how long we have you know we yeah. could get hit by a bus or whatever can happen mm-hmm. so i thought fuck it i'm just going to um get a modular yeah so uh, originally, I was just going to get one case for my Mini Moog, uh, have the 960 sequencer, that's it, and then I kept expanding, expanding, expanding. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I maxed out all my credit cards. I spent every cent I could on buying modulars, and I just didn't look back. And this is this is about. 10 or 11 years now. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> it is an impressive setup. Not a lot of people have have this. This is mm-hmm. stuff that you see in like Tape Op magazine or something, yeah. you know. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty <laughs> pretty dang impressive. Thanks. Yeah. Um so I'm kind of curious when you're uh when you're building a patch out of this like you just kind of stand back and look at like it's it's just everything so far away. You like your your furthest point patch point like to mm-hmm. go from the furthest one to the next one, you'd need probably an eight foot patch cable. Um, yeah, I have a lot of, uh, uh, patch cables. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I need more, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I just need to build them. I have uh, a lot of cable and, and plugs, uh, but building patch cables is not my favorite thing. To no, do. it's kind of boring. Mm. So I'm curious. So you so you, uh, you have this moment, you're, you're, you're inspired, not, I guess not inspired by, but you kind of, you take the, the, the lesson of your your sister passing away early, mm-hmm. and you 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 make lemonade out of that, so to speak, in that mm-hmm. you know kind of seize the day attitude, and you start building all this stuff. Um, did you have a sound or like kind of an, an a concept of like what you wanted to make sonically, or was it was it a little bit more of kind of a collector tinkerer mentality? Because I've noticed that's a huge there's there's both camps and there's definitely a Venn diagram of like the type of people who get into it and why you know is mm-hmm. it the is it the tinkering or is it I'm specifically after something that only this can offer me? Uh, it's it, to, to cop out. I'll say it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, you know? no, I'd, I'd say the same for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, um, you know originally I thought well okay I I had an okay collection of of regular rack and keyboard synths and I, I wanted. Um, like a, a sequencer to drive the mini mode because I really like that sort of, um, you know, Tangerine Dream, uh, Marauder, you know, types of pulsating mm-hmm. sequencing, sequencing stuff. So that was what I was after. And then I started building and I thought, well, I, I bet 
if I go fully modular, I could get even richer, deeper sounds and, and maybe do some things that even though, you know, back in the day they used to say this modular can make sounds nobody's ever heard before. And mm -hmm. I think at this point, 99.99% of everything's <laughs> been heard, just not maybe in the same, you know, collection right, at the same right. time. Um, but so I started going after, um, that and I always like the the deep, rich, powerful sounds. Well, then you start doing, you get kind of trapped in the tone chaser sort of, uh -huh. you know, attitude of, well, I, I can do it now, but if I get this one next module, it'll be so much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a, a lie I think we tell ourselves because I was talking with a friend the other day about this, and and I think it's maybe lack of self confidence is is that. Um, I don't think I can do it unless I have this massive thing. That's an because, interesting way know, to think about it. Yeah. And then, go ahead. I, I've thought about that too. Like what is, what is that thing? And you, you think if I get the herb verb, I'm going to be like, I'm going to, I will arrive. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's because you hear Walker Farrell do something amazing with an herb verb. And then yeah. you just think, Oh, well, if I get that, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. I'm finding more and more. It's just like, I will lust after not a specific module, but maybe like I will start obsessing about like the type of module I need to get. And when I start thinking about the type of module rather than the specific module, that's when I can kind of tell when I actually want something and I'm not just mm -hmm. lusting after something that I think is going to be the magic ticket or something, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, I would agree on that. Uh, it's uh, good to, um, avoid the the new shiny thing yeah. you know that, yeah. that that promises glory uh -huh. <laughs> but uh and then and then uh, next month or next week there'll be another thing that supersedes that right um i think and the part of the problem with getting that one module that's going to be great for you even if it's if you've logically thought it out and you say okay yeah i do need this as soon as you get it, you realize, okay, I need these three other ones to go with it. That'll really make it good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you start running into space problems and, uh, you know, just the logistics of making everything work right. The bigger it gets, the harder it is to yeah. um, avoid problems. And, and even though this looks great, there's a few modules that have problems up there mm -hmm. um, that I need to deal with. Um, and But I, I took a couple days to clean the house a little bit. I just, you probably couldn't even tell. <laughs> <laughs> it looks great up here. It, it, it looks, yeah. yeah. I, I go in here and I forget that the rest of the house is falling apart. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would spend all my time in here as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, mu being a musician is, is a mode of self-expression. Self um, and I think some people get a way more heady about that and mm -hmm. a little more artsy about it. And some people are a little more technical. I mean, there's definitely a spectrum on that. I'm curious, um, as far as you being a musician, do you feel like the, the synthesis in you and the drummer in you are separate? Separate, but... Are they, are there, I mean, there's definitely a link there, but is there either that you feel that you express yourself more uh, adequately at or just different parts of yourself? Um, I, haven't, I haven't thought of it like that before. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I, th I think it's probably different aspects. I, I think that in some ways I'm, I'm not a, a typical drummer that... Uh, and it's been a disappointment for some people I've tried to play with, uh -huh. um, that a, a lot of drummers will 
you know, learn a song and they'll say, okay, I need to play this, this beat for this many bars. And then there's a fill here. And then I, I play this pattern for, you know, I tend to more react to the music. You know, a lot of times guys will say, okay, play me a, you, you start. And I go, no, why don't you start? Because yeah. I don't know what I'm going to play until I hear the melody and the chord pattern. Right. And I react to mm-hmm. that. So I think I'm more of a, probably a, a melodic drumming player and I play more, maybe it's, from all my uh, time in orchestras and, and bands, I mm-hmm. play a little more like a symphonic percussionist as opposed to um, a drum set player. Yeah. Um, so it, rather than holding it down, you're kind of a part of it and being like accent, accenting mm-hmm. different parts of it. I, I argue with bandmates. They say, well, it's your job to, 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 to hold the rhythm. And I uh, say, no, it's everybody's job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't just randomly play any pattern you need to stay solid too you know mm-hmm. that way i'll be more solid right Wh- which is you know maybe a cop out but it was a good <laughs> argument it <laughs> depends on what kind of music you're playing too i think if, i think like the stuff you're describing that you like to play more proggy stuff is mm-hmm. you know it's definitely a little more exploratory yeah. but if you're playing you know indie garage rock then mm-hmm. you need to kick a snare and a hi-hat and just four on the floor you yeah. Know? yeah so yeah, I used to argue that, uh, well, if, if you want a steady pattern, get a drum machine because yeah. <laughs> they can do it better than I could ever do it. So, so I am um, whoa, whoa. losing my headphones. Technical difficulties. Yeah. Please stand by. So I um, I definitely feel, I play guitar and I'm, uh, Oops, sorry. I'm a um, mediocre at best drummer and a sub, like sub-mediocre piano player. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And I'm just getting my head around modular, but I do I do feel um, piano and guitar for me almost feel like it is that same part of me that I'm expressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but with modular, it doesn't feel as much self-expression as it is just like pure um, curiosity and exploration of mm-hmm. sounds that I think just sound cool. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, like, so when you're approaching modular and and like i guess i guess my question is what do you get out of the process and and what what does the end result say about you if anything um i i guess it uh it can depend on my my mood and it it maybe says that i i'm at my best when I pay attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll I'll come in here and I think, okay, I want to do this specific thing. I want to do a, I'm I'm going to do a Tangerine Dream sequencer pattern and I'm going to play solos over it. And and after an hour, I'm I'm not getting anywhere. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't sound right to me. Whatever. Yeah. Um, the times that I say, I start saying, screw it, I'm just going to plug this here because I I don't think it'll do anything. And then it does something different. And then I'll start exploring that sound and. It, it it might take me two or three hours, but I'll end up with something totally different than what I had planned. Um, but it's really cool and maybe cooler than what I was planning. Uh-huh. Um, so if I'm stubborn and I try to do exactly what I want to do and it's not working and then I don't listen to my, listen to what's going on, then it's like, well, I'm being dumb, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but if, uh, if I just go with the flow, then I think I, I, I achieve a lot better stuff. Um, even with certain modules, I think, okay, this XYZ module is supposed to do this. And I go to try to use it for that. And it doesn't, it's not working either. Mm-hmm. Either, uh, I misunderstood what I thought it was supposed to do, or the manufacturers had a screw up and they didn't design it right. Or there's, it's, the module's defective. Um, 
and then I can either throw it out, sell it, complain to the manufacturer, or I can say, well, what can I do with this anomaly that it's doing? Mm-hmm. And, and that gives you something new. So I think it's important to go with the flow a lot and, and pay attention to what's going on. It's like playing in, in, a, in a band with other musicians. Uh, if you're not paying attention to everything everybody's doing, whatever you're doing is maybe not going to work as well as if you right. lock into what's happening around you. So it's it's all about listening and paying right. attention. So I don't know if that answered your question. I think it did. I think it was kind of a, 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 right after I asked the question, I was kind of like, what the hell was that question? So I think it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> I, I think you might find, uh, I don't know, maybe you'll find my answers are often like patching a modular. Yeah, where I'll yeah. start and then it's like it drifts <laughs> off into some story of my childhood. Or <laughs> no, I think that's interesting. Well, I guess, so um, just like a peek behind the curtain of, of my show, I'm, you know, this, I'm on, I'm getting into the 40s of ep- episodes, you know, and, uh-huh. and while every conversation is unique because it's a different person, I'm, I'm trying to find ways to ask different types of questions and I'm out, I'm also trying to figure out like well what are the questions that I want to ask like mm-hmm. we could sit here and talk about what your favorite oscillator is but I, I don't know I want to I'm, I'm more curious lately of like what are you getting out of it for your yourself mm-hmm. you know like why do you why do you do it uh-huh. um so I mean we've covered a lot of that but like just I don't know <sighs> Get head like I guess to get heady with it to get kind uh-huh. of uh, you know like like yeah. wooey or, or spiritual or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. um, does it does it enrich your life in any way that you think that if it was gone you would be lesser for it or? I would I would if if it was all gone I would still be in this room but in the corner crying <laughs> <laughs> naked and covered in yogurt but, but we won't go into that. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, it. Uh, I think uh, early on, when I um, first started playing drums in the school band, uh, when before that I was, uh, I'm still not a great physical specimen. But back then I was <laughs> extremely skinny and and very weak, you know. And and I was always picked last for the sports teams, mm-hmm. and I couldn't climb the damn rope, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was partly fear and partly lack of strength. Um, but when I got into the drumming, I was successful at it, and I'd, I'd win the little competitions for chairs, and um, it gave me a lot of self-confidence. I wasn't as, you know, uh, uh, frightened and shivering yeah, anymore. Yeah. It was like it, it, it made me feel like I was in control of my life, and um, the more that I do that um, um, makes me feel like I've been successful or I've achieved something, um, it, it just gives me confidence to, to keep going. You know, I, I think that, um, one thing I didn't really like about, um, and it, it kind of leaves something behind where like with computer programming, I did that as a day job for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I would work really hard and I, sometimes I, you know, you know, I'd work, you know, up to 70, 80 hours a week, sometimes trying to get things working really well. Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, my, my grand, you know, composition, and then about the time it was done, it was already obsolete because yeah. new technologies had come out and you had to keep up. And then people would say, well, yeah, that's cool, but now we need to move on to this. It's like, it's it's going to be gone. But if you do some great music or even some marginal music, uh-huh. it's <laughs> it's going to be around a long time and there'll be some people who like it yeah. and, and can get enjoyment on it. So it's like, it makes, 
it seems like it makes life worth living to yeah. create something that people will enjoy, um, or at least I'll enjoy. If nobody else likes it, I'm enjoying it and mm-hmm. having fun, and uh, it's better than just sitting around watching TV, which I, I watch DVDs a lot. Yeah. Um, I used to play video games a lot, too, yeah. and then I started, I'd be in the other room playing video games, and I was thinking... Why am I playing this video game when in the other room there's this cool studio? So. That happens to me. I, I, I have a, a PS4 that um, my in-laws just gave me. And I, I, I played video games in high school. Never a big gamer. But I, I'll find, like, like I found, like, Fallout 3, and I played the whole thing. I just devoured it. So some games I'll just totally devour. And, um, yeah, I got that. But once I got, stu- even my 84 HP 3U, like, mm-hmm. not even full. Just, like, enough to make just bleeps and blorps with. Uh-huh. Once I had that... If I turned on the PlayStation, I'd just see that in the corner. I'd be like, I'm so much more interested in that. So mm-hmm. I haven't played video games in you know, yeah. a while. Um, going, you reminded me of something. It's I don't know. It's it. You said you know you were the the skinny wheat kid and and picked last and and then you you got into the drums and it, it gave you confidence. And then did you then? Um, well, I guess I'll t- like tell the story that it made me think of, and I'm going to see if it was kind of the same thing for you. I was the opposite. I was a super fat kid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I was okay at sports, but, you know, like I wasn't as interested in it. But, you know, I got made fun of for that. Mm-hmm. I, I developed a good sense of humor, and I was usually pretty friendly with everybody. So, like, it, it, I, didn't, I wasn't, like, totally picked on. I was friends uh-huh. with people. I was, I was like, uh-huh. just, I was in with the cool crowd, but I wasn't the cool crowd. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I found that once I could play, you know, like a couple chords on a, on a guitar and play an actual song on a guitar and people who didn't expect it to come out of me. And once I did that, mm-hmm. um, it almost felt like I had this magical power. I, I noticed that everybody would look at me differently. Like, what? Whoa, you can do that. And all of a sudden that just started it kind of created a monster i think for a while mm. <laughs> you know that that young like i want to be a rock star thing uh-huh. <laughs> um i don't know where i'm going with that but i guess mike i asked you a question and it ended up kind of answering something for myself that seems so obvious but something i never really thought about but mm-hmm. just getting into music gave me the confidence to to kind of uh stand up behind an identity that i believed in for myself or whatever or mm-hmm. something like that um I think I just rambled. I think I, I know what you're saying there. And I was just thinking that maybe that confidence, even if we didn't really recognize it so much, it maybe people were still making fun of us, uh, but we didn't care as much because yeah. we, we liked ourselves more now. Uh-huh. It's like, well, I don't really care what those other people think. Cause I, this is kind of cool. And, and a couple people said they liked me. So, you know, let's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, it gives you, um, I don't know, more of a flow to your life. You're not, you know, trying to avoid people or trying mm-hmm. to please people so much. You're more about pleasing yourself yeah. and, and just going ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just got into a ramble there. Yeah. Too. No, <laughs> I, 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 I totally tracked the whole thing. I was right there with you. And, and in a way it almost kind of felt like having a, a magical power or some, there is some sort of, you know, superpower of like, mm-hmm. and, and it also, no, I, I mean, I never was so, I've never been so good at anything where mm-hmm. I felt like I had a superpower. So I want to, <laughs> want to make that very clear, but it definitely, <laughs> it felt like I was, I knew something that, oh, oh, you just don't, you don't get this. I know something you don't know. So what you, when you make fun of me, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. I, yeah. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah. Now I'm really rambling. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, uh, I, I suppose it would be the best thing would, if we could go back in time and talk to our younger selves. And yeah. Say, you know, uh, don't give a crap what these, these people are saying mm-hmm. because they all have as many problems as, as we have, you know, it's yeah. just, that's just part of growing up, you know? Yeah. The, um, I think it gives, uh, it gives people, especially when you're young, a, a, a sense of power to pick on somebody. It's like, and I don't think it's a conscious thing. It's like, Ooh, there's somebody we can attack him for this. And then in attacking, you have this subconscious feeling of power. Like I'm, I can control this person. Yep. And it's, it's something weird about humans that, that unfortunately that we have. Yeah. Well, um, I, yeah. I try to tell, like I, I'm, I'm, and I'm like the lead of a, a crew for my construction crew and at work we mm-hmm. do like right now we're working on a bunch of HVAC wiring. So it's low mm-hmm. volt electrician work. And, um, when you're on a construction site, there's a lot of meatheads and a lot of there's a lot of aggression, aggro people, and a, a lot of the times you experience some of your foremen who can be real bears. Mm-hmm. And something that I've learned, and wish I could go back speaking or going back and telling myself, and something that I try to say to like some of my younger apprentices as they're coming in, just like keep in mind if someone is treating you really, really poorly for no reason and they're just an asshole constantly. That means they're probably in a lot of pain. <laughs> so mm-hmm. don't take it personally. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay, but just I guess maybe you can uh rest in the comfort to know that if they're making your life hell, it's probably because their life is actually a lot more hell or something oh, is yeah. going on, you know. Yeah. Wow, welcome to Mental Hour <laughs> Mental Health Hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe you can do a a, a cross posting to some other <laughs> self help uh, yeah. sites and stuff. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. that's funny. Well, it made me think of that, uh, and I I can't remember the quote exactly, but I saw this a couple of years ago. That, um, uh, yeah, I can't remember something about um, remembering that if uh, it's it's a really good quote, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna totally butcher it. Something about remembering that. Um, if if somebody's treating you badly that that they may be going through something really bad in their life and mm-hmm. it's just being projected out um through their their actions towards you but it's not you it's, it's yeah but that that's not the quote but it's you know yeah. something to that effect yeah so. and i think to and to follow something like that further um this is and this is a superpower that i'm working on trying to get but i don't know if you can get it is um is actually trying to develop like keep all in that mind and develop a a sort of compassion like just imagine that kid used to be a baby this this guy who's yelling at you right now he used to be a little baby you know Mm -hmm. at one point he was just a tiny little baby Mm -hmm. and something happened uh, whatever has happened to him over his his or her life has maybe been so unpleasant that they developed these bad habits and these coping mechanisms and so to try to be compassionate and kind of like you know, now all that said, I, I have not reached that level of, oh. of Zen or anything, but it's something no. I try to keep in mind mm-hmm. when somebody's, you know, pissing me off or being a oh. jerk or whatever. Oh yeah. And, and I know I, to this day, I still occasionally in maybe unfair or, or harsh to somebody, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. it's because I was just experiencing something or, Absolutely. you know, yeah. um, I remember, uh, was quite a few years ago, um, but uh, uh, it was, uh, yeah, about four or five years ago. Um, my mom had just been buried, mm-hmm. and I had driven home from the the the, uh, the you know, uh, cemetery, 
and uh, I, I was feeling really tense and I just got back from Everett and I was in Tacoma and I was like, ah, oh, maybe I'll, I'll go get a Starbucks or something, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, and this, this happy couple were like, it seemed like they're a little bit drunk, but they're walking kind of slow and they're like in my way. I was trying to get into the park lot and they're, you know, in my way, geez, you know, uh-huh. and maybe it bothered me cause I was in pain and they were having a good time and I yeah. was by myself uh-huh. not having a good time. But, and then I, I got, I got past them and then, uh, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but anyway, I I'd come around and I was, they, they were walking along the sidewalk straight and I needed to make a right turn. And I looked over there and they were still just kind of walking straight and I looked for the cars and I went to turn and they were like, I almost hit them. Uh-huh. And the guy was yelling at me and I was yelling back at him, you know, uh-huh. and, um, and then I thought, why did I just lose it? You know, yeah. said probably because I was upset over burying my mom. For sure, yeah. And uh, but I didn't really think about that at the time. Mm-hmm. I just had this hidden tension, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I feel like um, that's something. Uh, luckily, my wife and I have have figured out about ourselves and our relationship is we're not. You know, of course, we have we don't fight, but we'll you know we'll have times where we're like irritated with each other, and I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of the time. You know, after we're settled down, whoever was mad come back and be like, you know what? I'm actually just really bummed or stressed about this thing. And then I just transplanted that onto you. So that was my fault, not your fault, you know, like, um, so yeah, it's, I guess, I guess the goal here or the, the message here is self-awareness guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we forget, I think it's time for our sponsor up, well, <laughs> use pros off <laughs> <laughs> No shit. People are going to get through, you know, towards the end of this episode, and they're going to be like, what the fuck? How did, is this a, a modular podcast? All right. So let me let me find a modular question for you. So okay. <laughs> so, yeah. um, why 5U? Um, 5U was because um, back in the day when I first got attracted to modulars, um, it was mainly that's what I saw um, in probably... One of the early influences was uh, from the Tacoma Public Library. Uh, um, we checked out uh, 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 the Carlos Switched on Bach album, mm-hmm. and uh, I would listen to that, and I'd stare at the cover, and it was this beautiful, you know, portable five U cases. Uh-huh. And then uh, I was really into Emerson and Palmer, and he had a big Moog uh-huh. modular. Um, and the stuff that I, I liked the way it looked, um, uh, I wasn't too aware of the bookless stuff. Um, probably not until I was in college that I really even heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that was to me, you know, and I liked, oh, and uh, I had built the um, Paya kits and they were like probably the, you know, they used the cheapest parts they could get yeah. um, to keep the, the things cheap. So uh-huh. that's how I got them. But they're uh, those, uh, they called them eighth inch jacks, but you know, 3.5 millimeter mm-hmm. jacks, worst jacks on earth. And uh, <laughs> after building a few of them, I learned that, I had to orientate the jack a certain way because the little, uh, the the tip contact. If if you didn't build build the module with the jack with the tip contact up, if it was on the bottom, the weight of the patch cable would disconnect it. Oh jeez. <laughs> so it's like it was constantly, and then you'd go in there and you'd like bend them back with your finger. They had no spring uh-huh, to it. It was just really uh-huh. crappy metal. So that really turned me off on the the eighth inch jacks, and it's just kind of nicer to hold um something that's 
about the diameter of a drumstick. Maybe yeah. that's part of it, too. Yeah, that could, yeah I see that. But I, I like a little bit larger spacing, and I like the larger knobs. It just, I don't know, it looks cooler to me. Yeah. But, you know, I have a lot of Eurorack now, too, which is um, Paul Schreiber's fault, because uh, <laughs> um, he uh, was coming out with his first Eurorack modules, and he wanted me to do a demo of one. And so okay. I, I thought, uh, I figured I could... Um, just run a run a cable out of the power supply and kind of have it sitting on the counter, and I thought, oh, that's kind of crappy for a demo. So I got the smallest dope for a little, you know, mm-hmm. beauty case. And then I thought, well, instead of just using all these modules, I could probably put a couple support modules like an LFO and whatever, an attenuator, and then that got filled up pretty quick. Uh-huh. So, well, let me get a bigger case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I, I have about five different cases of Eurorack oh, geez. stuff. Wow. Um, they're, they're like smaller. Uh-huh. Um, the biggest one I can show you here in a bit if you want. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I forget how many, it's it's a custom case I made. So the HP is well, 300 something HP. It's like, okay. it's like f- four regular rows of about 94 HP plus a couple sideways rows okay so i just I, i've been playing with uh with uh 12u 84 hp for a while um but i i just eventually i wanted to get a real case and mm-hmm. my goal was can i do 6u 104 hp and you know stop myself from a buying so many modules <laughs> and to also b learn how to use the ones that i have can i build a set that i have fun playing with and the answer is just about, <laughs> and I think what I'm I, I'm gonna try to go nine U, so I'm gonna get one more three U case, and I'm just that's my goal is to try to stay right there, but we'll we'll see what happens. Um, but speaking of, so you you've got the five U, you've got the Euro rack. Do you find? Does it feel the same? Uh, I guess in essence, when you're creating on. 5U as it does in your rack, or and and do you get similar results, or do you find that they're completely different beasts? Um, they're a little different because of um, not so much the size, but just the content of the cases. Um, my my largest Euro rack now, I've kind of it's slowly turned into and actually one of the other cases too. It slowly turned into more of what I traditionally wanted to do, more of the. Um, lead synth bass sounds you know prog rock types of mm-hmm. things but i initially the Eurorack was very different because i i was doing one-off modules i'd have one of this oscillator one of this other oscillator one of this filter one of another filter um and i've slowly like w- with the 5e stuff i you know started out i had at least three vcos and then i had a fourth and and there's more now um but I think in the 5U, I tended to do multiples of the same module, where in Eurorack, it's the one-off of everything. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to do certain things I wanted to do, so I just would do other things, you know, mm-hmm. and, and get into more, like, more sound designy sort of noise drone yeah. sorts of things, as opposed to doing melodic lead lines and chords and, and that sort of thing. Although I do weird stuff on this on the big 5U stuff and, mm-hmm. and I I do melodic stuff on the the Euro rack. Yeah. I mean, I'm just Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I kind of figured the answer would be about that because you know you just got so much more here to work with and like um I guess but let's say that you strip this down to you just build the most simple but usable 5U system you can in your head uh-huh. and then the same thing for Euro rack. Uh-huh. What's the difference going to be there, if any? 
Because um, really, it's just the size difference. But I feel like that that can lead to so many different things because just the the playability of a 5U module is just it's just more accessible. So you might get more ideas or be drawn to to manually tr- turning things rather than CVing stuff. Or yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, when you have more room, uh, you know the 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 knobs aren't so crammed in around jacks and, and you can just kind of get your hand in there and subtly tweak things. Also having, um, people may not realize it, but having a larger knob is not just looks or, or some sort of, you know, phallic thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, uh, it's not, you know, compensating for right. smaller knobs uh. in other areas, <laughs> but, uh. but uh, not that I'm admitting anything. <laughs> uh, um, football, beer, steaks. Um, the, it's you can do s- subtler movements with, with a larger knob because it's, it's just a physics thing. You've uh-huh. got the larger radius, and you can do a, um, a, a subtler tweak on on parameters, which is nice at times. It's not always necessary, and, and you can you can do it on on smaller pots. But um, just having that lo- uh, bigger radius to turn is, is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I, I did a calculation the other day with. Um, with this system and then my largest Eurorack system, I added up the, the cost. And Eurorack is about twice as expensive per square foot as 5U is. Really? <laughs> People say, oh, 5U, it's, it's more expensive. It's like, well, I think when it started out, when it was just like uh, you know, mainly Dofer out there, um, they have some very inexpensive modules. And then a lot of the, the first couple 5U people, ModCan, SynthTech, and um, Synthesizers.com, which was a little more uh affordable um they were more expensive in general but now i mean you know especially you know schwayman and, and lots of the other expensive modules out there mm-hmm. they're really expensive but y- you start adding up how much space it takes up um it uh it, it worked out to twice as expensive now of course like a, a wall this size my five-year wall if you fill that up full of your rack it would you know, there twice have, as many modules, twi- yeah. twice as many modules, uh-huh. or or and it have a lot higher uh, functionality density. So mm-hmm. you're you're getting more per square foot as far as functionality with your rack, mm-hmm. um, and it saves space. But I think that's that's the sort of the uh, the myth of the the frog in, in the pot of water slowly getting hot. It's like you know. Any modular is like that, 5U or Eurorack. But you think, well, let's, let me go with Eurorack because it's smaller and it's less expensive and I, I can't afford much. Uh-huh. I never thought I would ever have anything this like I have now. Yeah. You know? And it's because it incrementally, you know, you you have that and you have one rack and then that rack gets full. And, oh, I just want one more module. I was like, what am I going to do? I said, well, one more rack is not that expensive. And then I can I can get more modules. And then over time, you keep adding and adding and adding. And, uh-huh. um you know, if, if 11 years ago somebody said, yeah, you need to um, come up with, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 and build a, you know, huge <laughs> module. I said, you're crazy. Yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> I can't even afford a car that much. Yeah, you know, right. it's like, um, uh, but now uh, I have it. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I, I've, I've, I've told a few people lately, like, when they, a lot of people ask when they don't, when they're not even musicians and they see the modular setup, that first question is, how much is that? I'm mm. like, it's worth more than my car. My car's not worth a lot, mm-hmm. but my synth is now worth more than my car, and I'm in my mid-30s. So I don't know if that's something I'm proud of, or I guess it depends on who I'm telling. But um, <laughs> Are you are you uh, feeling up to doing a patch challenge? Um, sure. 
All right. Your adjective. Hold on. I just forgot what it is. So I don't even know what's going to happen here, <laughs> what this is all about. Yeah. Your adjective is placid. Placid? And, and your noun is bloom. Placid bloom. And then I need to make a patch that uh, reflects that. Yeah. Whatever, whatever that makes you think of. Um, no rules other than think of placid bloom as you make a patch. Okay. Do, and I, I'll, do I have a time limit? I'll give you 15 minutes. <laughs> you get 15 minutes and we don't record that part. All right, let's take a look at the Expert Sleepers Disting Mark IV Dual Audio Playback. So this is a sampler that can play two samples at once. Um, it has an output for each sample and a trigger input for each sample. And uh, there are two different versions. One is where the, uh, the Z input selects the sample, or one is where the Z input is the speed. Um, and I'm going to be showing you the latter. So let's bring this first sample in really quick. I can show you as I increase the speed. That's just manually. Let's bring the second sample in. Now let's bring uh, some some control voltage into that Z speed input. So as you can see, the Disting Mark IV is um, quite a robust sampler. And what's really cool is this is just one of eight different sampling algorithms. Um, I particularly like this one because you can do the two samples at once. Um, and the speed thing is pretty cool. But uh, I'll, sh I'll show you some of the other sampling algorithms in the weeks to come. But um, if you think about it, I mean, these things are samplers, VCOs delay units. I mean, that's what you've seen me do so far, but there's just so much more. They do LFOs. They do Euclidean patterns. Um, they do CV quantizing. And I mean, how many modules out there do all of these at once? The only downside to it is I don't know what to use it as. So I think I'm going to need to pick up about four more. And if you would like to pick up one or four or eight Expert Sleepers Disting Mark Force. Go to expertsleepers.co.uk. Okay, 15 minutes is up. How did you feel about the 15 minutes beforehand? And then what did it do to your brain while you were patching? And how do you feel about it at the end? Um, I peed myself a little. And <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, will I be able to do it? And I thought, well, I think the words were advantageous because I, I do sort of things like that all uh -huh. the time, kind yeah. of either droney things or, um, you know, whatever. So I just went for like a, a basic four voice patch, uh, that I, like I normally do, um, which is just, you know, four oscillators, four filters, four VCAs, uh, for the STG, uh, envelope generators, which have two different outputs. So I use one for the VCAs and one for the, uh, filters. And then I incorporated the happy nerding, um, 
FM aids, one for each voice, and then there's some extra modulation coming from a uh, crisp one octo, which is a um, eight output uh, phase uh, shifted uh, LFO. So that's doing a little modulation, and uh, keyboard MIDI controller is um, going into interface. It gives me four separate outputs. Uh, nice. Um, which was part of my problem. I said, like, how come I'm only getting one? I, says, <laughs> I, I needed to set the patch for polyphonic. And uh, that's kind of basically it. Then I'm running it through. I've got a uh, Lexicon uh, rack mount reverb unit MX400 and then two Strymon pedals, the Big Sky and Timeline. Nice. And good, they're both on. I <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then at the, the last minute, I, I patched in the Club of the Knobs um, phase processor which is giving it a little more swirl and I just set long attacks on the envelopes and uh, that's kind of it. Yeah. What I found interesting as I sat here and watched you do it is you were patching for most of the 15 minutes without hearing anything because you know you have you were using the keyboard so every once in a while you'd check on what you're doing by hitting a chord or something but the majority of your patch points were made without mm -hmm. hearing it which was uh, I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah that's um, this comes from doing it a lot yeah <laughs> and uh, back back in the early days I, I know people this is big discussions on muff wiggler or whatever uh about uh writing down patches or trying to record them and and i tried it in the early days and it, it took me longer to write down the patch than it did to make the patch in the first place yeah and then and then trying to read back what i had written down and recreate it it's just like <laughs> Um, after a while, you just kind of know what the different modules do, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, um, uh, you just get used to it. I think every once in a while, uh, I'll just happen on, you know, how it happens. You happen on something really weird and yeah. unique. So how the hell do I do that? So you might write down, I'll write down maybe the the significant different thing. Like if I have this polyphonic patch, and then I, had, I patched in one weird module that, with a certain setting that made it really, really cool. I might make a note of that, but usually it's just a mental note. Yeah, um, it's yeah. just, it's too, too hard to, um, especially when you get a really large modular going, there's just yeah. <laughs> too much to try to keep track of. Yeah. So. I was going to say, I know I'm, I'm getting to a point where I know my system well enough to where, uh, if, if I heard something and somebody said, recreate that, I could say, I could get you close, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm not, but with this, I just, I mean, Oh, yeah. It's just so much more stuff. But like you said, a lot of this repeats. Um, you have a mm -hmm. lot of repeat stuff. So, yeah. Um, cool. Well, how, did you uh, did you feel, were you nervous or stressed about yeah. the 15 minutes? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm usually a little nervous and stressed about everything <laughs> in life. <laughs> but I try not to show it too much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like uh, I figured I could I could do something. If, if the words had, that came up had been something different, it might have been, you know, um, like I don't know, crackling on Jupiter. Right, I, I, right. Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, okay, I can make some crackling uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and put a lot of <laughs> reverb on it. But uh, it's, um, I, I I sometimes try to call myself a sound designer, but I don't know if I I don't really have that job for anybody. Right. I, but I I figure I I could do it, but um, I'm not a you know a, a pro at it like you know Richard Viner, somebody yeah, who right, who does right. it for their job uh -huh. and has been doing it for many years. So I don't really know exactly what that would entail, but I design sounds all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. 
Well, um, where can people go to? Uh, do you have any albums you want people to check out, or anything online, Instagram? Gosh, I, I need to get an album out, so when yeah. people ask me, I can say, <laughs> "Yeah, I have an album." Uh, I actually started an outline this month uh, for an album I'm going to do. So, oh, great. Uh, um, and tentative working title is Gravity. Okay. Um, so. Boy, um, maybe a year from now I can do another interview. And, yeah, yeah. And let's either do it. scold me or, <laughs> <laughs> or we can talk about the album. Yeah, I'll check um, in with you. Make sure you finish it. But yeah, if you, uh, uh, I have lots of stuff. I have over four hundred videos on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's just John L. Rice, all one word. Okay. On YouTube, and uh, I post a lot of little snippets on Instagram, mm -hmm. which is I'm John L. Rice on Instagram, and I have a SoundCloud um, page with some little snippets on there which is uh what's my soundcloud uh, yeah. it's uh, i think it's something like john l rice or i'm john l rice i think you can go there i think you get through all of these things through your website though right definitely yeah mm -hmm. if you go to i'm john.com it's just i am <laughs> j-o-h-n.com and uh, uh i have links to um all those three sites plus a Flickr site where i put pictures of stuff it's okay more pictures of concerts and uh, one of the more recent uh modular nights i took some pictures at okay and, uh, cool um, yeah, so, and there's, oh yeah, there's some free Rav Vast samples on there. They're really crappy quick ones I did, but uh, anybody who's got a sampler and wants to, they're just WAV files and you can okay. just download those for free. Very cool. Um, so yeah, someday I'll actually have product to sell and, um, I'll be rich. Yeah. Well, when you do that, we'll have to have you on cause we didn't even talk about any of that, but uh -huh. I think we had a, had a nice talk. Is oh, there yeah. anything that you didn't get to scream from the modular mountaintops that you want to say right now? Um, uh, buy more modules <laughs> <laughs> and send them to, no, <laughs> um, no, just, yeah. Uh, I, I'm on Muff Wiggler way too much. Uh -huh. Um, sometimes I wish I wasn't on there because I spent too much time just chatting and trying to answer questions and putting lots of thumbs up uh -huh. for people's yeah, posts. Yeah. Uh, Muff Wiggler, um, uh, Mott Seattle has been, been really good supporting me, yeah. Bradley and Josh, yeah. uh, um, have been great and they're doing a great thing for the community. Absolutely. Yes, putting on lots of, uh, um, Mott's concerts in the summer. And then in the evenings they have the modular nights, mm -hmm. which allows, uh, instruments besides modulars. You can bring keyboard synths or even drums or guitars or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's happening every, uh, first Saturday uh, of every month at the substation in Seattle. Yeah. And, um, what else? I'm probably forgetting a lot of things. Thanks to a lot of the manufacturers who've sent me things over the years. Yeah. And, um, SynthTech and Moon Modular, probably the primary ones. Uh, um, Doug at, um, Synthetic Sound Labs. Uh, yeah, too much to, to right. go to go over. But and and thank you for yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, so right you're, you're an excellent interviewer. Right, you, thank you. You're going to be a uh, rich rock star <laughs> on the interview circuit here yeah, one of these right. days. But um, get that that sweet sweet modular synth podcast money. <laughs> <laughs> it's flowing out there. <laughs> yeah, I might have to switch careers <laughs> here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's check out this patch. And thanks again for coming on. Okay. Sure. Yeah. How long do you want? To uh, three to five minutes. Okay, yeah, it's just or less. However you feel, when you feel you've played it. Okay, you know, cool. All right, we're gonna listen to John's patch really quick, but some technical difficulties uh, happened. I don't understand what they were, um, but for some reason, you can hear us rustling around in the room. Um, 
I don't know why that is. I didn't have my mics turned on. I'm not sure if he had a mic in his system somehow picking stuff up. I don't think so. Um, so I'm just going to say I screwed something up, and I don't know what it was. But either way, the patch is still really cool, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, there you have it. Uh, I just want to thank John uh, for coming on the show again. And once again, sorry for the, the technical difficulties there. I hope uh, it wasn't so terrible that you couldn't enjoy that magnificent patch. Um, don't forget to check out that Spotify playlist that features a bunch of the, the past guests from the show. And thank you, Matthew Powell, for making that super cool. Um, patreon.com forward slash popular modcast i cannot say forward slash popular modcast um if you want to help us out uh disting mark four check that thing out anything you need it's got it um patchworks.com go buy some synthesizers and support a cool local community um subscribe to waveform magazine and uh i think that's about it we will see you next week